it's time for another episode of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes. Here's your host, Terrence McCauley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes, right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Today, I'm interviewing J.D. Kirk, who is also known as Barry Hutchison. Uh, he is a Scottish crime writer, better known as the award-winning children's book writer, Barry Hutchison. His latest DCI Logan novel, One for the Ages, which is number 16 in the acclaimed series, has been published by Zertex Crime. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Of course. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your latest work? Okay, so the new book, One for the Ages, is, like you mentioned, the 16th book in the DCI Jack Logan series. They are Scottish crime fiction novels set here in the highlands of Scotland where I live. The reason they're set where I live is because I'm naturally quite a lazy person and I didn't really <laughs> want to do any research. So I thought if I set it near my house, um, I don't have to go out and try and you know find locations and all that stuff. So it's all set around places that I know well, really. Um, what I don't know anything about is being in the police, uh, so that that bit's kind of made up. But I get a lot of correspondence from kind of serving police officers, retired police officers, who seem to think that I've got it pretty close to what it's like. So that was nice. Uh, in this book, there are a number of elderly people um, getting murdered in the far north of Scotland, and DCI Jack Logan and his team are brought in to try and crack the case. And I don't want to tell you too much more than that about it, because like most kind of murder mysteries, uh, it's all down to the twists, really. So I don't want to give anything away. But if you've enjoyed the previous books in the series, then um, I think you'll probably like this one. A lot of readers are saying it's their favourite book so far, which is nice. Wow. Uh, it hit number one in the Amazon UK store over here um, and has hung around in the top 20 for the last sort of three, four weeks since it came out. Um, so it's doing well, it's, it's good, it's nice to see people enjoying it. There are some new characters in this one, um, and I was really worried about bringing new characters in into the team. This is kind of late in the series, you know, um, right. and I grew really attached to them. So I was worried people were going to hate them because they were just incomers to the to the team. But they've taken to them well, so, so that was nice, that was a relief. So yeah, so it's all going well so far. That's great. That's great. Now, I know that you said that this uh, series is 16 books so far. How long, I mean, what's it like uh, writing a series that has such a legacy that you've created? Do you find yourself having to go back and make sure that you include some facts that happened earlier on, or do you just pretty much keep it in the present without much world building? Um, I try. There is a lot of world building involved. I think more... Uh correspondence that I get about the books. I get a lot of emails. I get three to 500 emails a week from readers. And I would wow. say 100% of them are not about the plots of the book. They're about the characters in the book. Um, mm. And they love the uh, the development of those characters and their relationships. And in the, the 15th book, no, actually in the 16th book, this one that just happened, uh, there was uh, a character, someone on the team uh, gives birth to twins. And the twins were referenced, first referenced kind of two books ago. And I started getting emails from people saying they'd started knitting clothes for the twins. These fictional children who were never <laughs> going to exist in the real world, but they've started knitting clothes for them. And it's um, so they seem to really, the world building bit is almost more important than the actual 
individual storylines. Each book is an individual story, but that character growth happened from, from book one onwards, you know. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. My wife and I were in London uh, back in November for our anniversary. And I, one of the things I wanted to do is see Churchill's uh, war room at the Ministry of Defense. And the second one was, I said, I wanted to go see Sherlock Holmes Museum. And my mm -hmm. wife said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because he's not a real <laughs> character. He's just <laughs> fictional. So she says, what the hell are you going to give them your money for? And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, there's a point. There. Yeah, there's a point. It's funny how uh, everybody, how, how the audience latches on to some characters, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. And not even just characters, I find. So um, because I live in the Highlands and I know it really well, I know all the little sort of irritating things that go on. So for example... Uh, the closest city to me is is Inverness, which is sort of 70 miles away. Um, and that has the sort of main hospital for the Highlands is there. And the mm -hmm. car parking situation is abysmal. You can never find a, a parking space at the hospital. Right. And in one of the books, one of the characters mentions this in kind of quite an offhand way about the parking situation at this hospital. And I've had 300 emails about that paragraph People saying, oh, I know it's terrible, isn't it? It's a terrible situation, this park. Uh, so people connect with the things you don't necessarily expect them to connect with, you know. Right. And that's that's the fun of it, especially for us authors. I wrote about a shootout that happened at the Brooklyn Queens Expressway in my first book. And that's the scene that everybody loved who was from Long Island because they said, wow, I, I felt like that. I felt like somebody who just was stuck in traffic yeah. and was frustrated. And, and this wasn't a road rage incident, but they really enjoyed the, uh, yeah, yeah. the book at that scene. And it, it is funny how they, they latch on to certain That's things. It. Often it's something you just don't expect. You don't you just write without really thinking about it necessarily. You chuck it out there and then that's the thing that people connect with. So you can never predict it. it. You can't, no. And if you try to write for that kind of a, yeah. a hit, it'll pass you by. Never and work, never work. It never works. No, you can't really call the shot. You just have to roll with it when it happens. How was your um, career as a, an award-winning children's book writer? How did that prepare you to do these kinds of books? Do you think uh, there, there was any lessons that you learned from one to the other? I think it was just writing quickly, really. I mean, I, 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 uh, I wrote kind of 200 books in 10 years for, for kids. Um, I, for HarperCollins, for Penguin Random House, for loads of different publishers. I often wrote them under different names because... I write really quickly anyway, so I will write, mm. you know, 10, 15 books a year, especially kids' books, which are often shorter, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so by doing those, uh, the publishers would say, well, we can't, we can't put all of these books out because you're then competing with yourself in the marketplace. And publishers didn't right. want one of my books to compete with another of my books. So often they would go under different names and all that stuff. So so I think I learned, I learned a lot about um, just the shape of stories, you know, just how stories work and the, the sort of science behind what works and what doesn't. And just writing quickly, just a work ethic, I think I learned, because right. everyone thinks, you know, authors in general. And, and at that point, everyone thought children's authors in particular, because, you know, Harry Potter was huge. Everyone thought that children's authors were millionaires. And we very much are not, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I was... I was consistently broke and it was like, right, what's the next thing I can write? What's the next job I can get? You know, so so I was sometimes I was writing four or five books at the same time to, for different publishers trying to just, you know, keep the money coming in. So I think that work ethic um, really helped when I decided to kind of set up for myself and and go indie with the uh, first with my sci-fi space team series, which I wrote. 
um, under the name Barry J. Hutchison. I wrote two other okay. those and three spin-offs. And then um, I thought I was going to do one crime book. Uh, so I wrote that. Just wanted to get it out. I had it in my head. I thought, I'll just get it out. I'll, I'll publish it. And then I won't think any more about it. Right. And it immediately started out selling everything else I've ever written combined. And I thought, well, forget everything else. I'm now doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, there's there's a, something to be said for creativity, but the book business is also business, and it is actually. I'm really fortunate because I thought I had the idea for the story. I thought I'll just I'll get rid of it. I'm not going to enjoy writing it. I just want to tell this story, and right. I, I thoroughly enjoyed writing it because it was much like everything I've ever written. It was about those characters first and foremost. So it was a team of sort of largely dysfunctional people put together, right? Who form this sort of family, which is basically everything I've ever written is that. To one extent or another, sure. And just the fact that it wasn't okay, it wasn't set in space, or it didn't have you know ghosts or monsters in it like the kids stuff. It was a more grounded, realistic sort of world. But I've just found myself loving writing about those characters. So uh, it was fortunate that both what the what the kind of market wanted and what I was keen to write just overlapped enough that I could go, okay, that's I'm heading for that sweet spot there. Yeah, no, I, I can understand that. I was uh, concentrating on crimes and thrillers, but this Western that I had in my head kept mm. getting in the way of everything. And I'd you like to do it. I put it down, forgot about it, got an agent. The agent said one day, do you have a Western by any chance? Because I've got a guy <laughs> who's looking to publish them. And now I'm many, many books into a couple yeah. of series. And it's it's funny, like we were just saying earlier, you can't plan for those happy accidents. No, I think happen. you've got to follow your instincts on that. Like I like I knew I had to write this book, you know, the crime book. It was like I need to get it out because it's going to just bother me if I don't. It's going to be stuck in my head somewhere, and I need to sort of exercise that that spirit knocking around inside my head and get it out, you know. And I do that by writing. So if I've got an idea that's stuck there. I've write it down. That's it. I can think of something else now. Right, um, right. So I think when, when that happens, I think it is a good, you know, you follow your instincts on that, I see. Right, yeah, that's the, the important thing, too. And a lot of people who haven't written don't understand that be, it's not just about being creative, is it? Like you said, you, you, you write fast, you write quickly. So there is a dedication to the craft and to training your mind to work in a certain way. It's not just coming up with ideas and writing them down. It's no, a that's lot easy different bit, yeah. than that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The easy bit is coming up with a new idea. I could come up with 10 ideas, you know, in the next half an hour, but I couldn't write them all. It's, it's, it's picking the ones that you go, okay, I connect with that. And I can now, I can continue to connect with it, you know, 90, 100,000 words from now. Um, or, or more importantly, you know, 45,000 words from now, when you're stuck in the middle and the end right. still seems like a long way away, that's when you need to still connect with that idea enough to power through. Exactly right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, uh, you know, it, it's not like digging a ditch, but it is still a certain type of, of manual and mental labor yeah, absolutely, that yeah, uh, yeah. takes training. Yeah, completely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It is. Um, yeah, it's not. There are a lot of harder jobs out there, but it is oh, not. Sure. It's also not easy. No, no, it is not. And it's definitely worth doing. What would you since I know you said you're right quickly. Do you usually like to outline your stuff or do you uh go uh, make it up as you go along uh it varies really i for for everything that's not crime i tended to make up as i went along uh there were some exceptions to that so my first my first book that i wrote was a, a children's book called um invisible fiends 
about mm-hmm. um, a boy's imaginary friend from when he's four, comes back when he's 12 and tries to kill him in a variety of horrible ways. Um, and we pitched it to HarperCollins. I got an agent with that book. Um, we okay. pitched it to HarperCollins. HarperCollins said, could you write six of these? And I went, yes. And they wow. said, great, can you give us the outlines for the next five by two o'clock this afternoon? Because we have a meeting about it. <laughs> and this was, it was like 12 o'clock at this point. So I was like, so I have two hours to plot out the next five books in this series. So so I had to rattle through those, I mean, quite brief plots, you know, sort of half page outlines. Sent them in and they said, great, we'll take six. Um, so so that worked really wow. well. So, um, so that was kind of the extent of the plotting I did. I'd do maybe like a half page, one page going, this is the story from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the space team stuff, the science fiction, I just, I, I, I didn't plan at all, really. I kind of knew where it was headed and I went in that direction. And I just had a lot of fun getting there was basically how that, that process worked. Right. For the crime fiction, crime fiction is more structured. You know, there's a there's a, a, a killer, there's clues, there's red herrings and all that stuff. So right. if I don't plan that out to some extent or another, then it all feels a bit messy and a bit scrappy. And the ending generally comes out of nowhere. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, suddenly I've, you know, someone saw this and that solves the case. So mm-hmm. by planning it out, I can make that more sort of organic and natural. And, and I, I know where the investigation is going before the detectives get there. Right. So, yeah, because it's a genre that definitely lends itself more to uh, yeah. planning, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you can go back in. You know, you, Sometimes, even though I plan, the killer changes in the last 10 pages. And I go, mm-hmm. great, now I need to go back and change all those clues that I see that in and tweak those and do. So, because sometimes... No, no matter how how carefully you plan, something a character just changes their mind, and you can't. You've kind of got to go with it. It's that instinct yeah. thing again. Yes, it is. Yeah, it always goes back to that. The instinct of the storyteller. Now you've done uh, children's novels, you've done science fiction, and you've done crime novels. Is there any other genre out there that, as a writer, not as a published author or based on a contract, is there any other genre out there that you'd like to just you know, cast the net in and see what comes up. Um, I have, yeah, I've got a lot of ideas for different things. One I'm looking forward to writing next year is, it's, I don't know if really what genre it fits into. It's basically, um, the idea is that after everyone dies, there is no heaven, there is no hell. Instead, you go to this endless city filled with everyone who has ever passed away lives in this city now. Forever, mm. they, they're just so so. There's sections with Vikings. There's there's you know Neanderthal man out in the wilds, and there's all that stuff going on. And so right. you know Elvis tours with with Liberace <laughs> or whatever. You know, so you've got all these different things going on. Right. Um, and and the idea is that this the story I want to write is about this this cowboy as it happens who um, he was an old sheriff and he accidentally shot a kid um, back in the sort of late eighteen hundreds. Okay. Took his own took his own life uh, out of sort of guilt, thinking that would end his misery. And instead, he's now been stuck in this afterlife for you know 120, 130 years, just mm. drinking heavily. Uh, what he didn't realize was that his wife was pregnant at the time when he took his life. So he now has descendants, and oh. his two sort of great 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 grandchildren arrive in the city following a car accident, wow. and he sort of finds himself responsible for them. Um, and he kind of they sort of help him sort of become the the sort of 
the, the, the sheriff of this section of the city, basically, with this lawless section of the city, which oh. was run by a run by a, a Viking child trafficker. Um, and he he sort of becomes the law in this city. So um wow. so that's what we're working next. I have no idea what genre that is, but that's <laughs> one. That one. Usually when it doesn't fit into one particular genre, they always say it's fantasy or something like that. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably fantasy, a fantasy western crime adventure thriller. <laughs> right. Yeah. Hey, there's there's a room for everything these days. And that one sounds like it's quite a a, a project that when you get around to actually writing it. What else can we expect from your DCI Logan series without giving well, any spoilers for 16? Yeah, without giving any spoilers. So there are there are more books coming in the DCI Logan series. There was a new spin-off. I did a spin-off, uh, started it in 2022, 2021? Okay. No, 2022, I think. Uh, which was a it was a four, well, it was going to be a three-book spin-off. Uh, featuring one of the characters from the series. And the first book was called North Wind, and the second book was called Southpaw, and the third book was called Westward. Ah. And as my son, my son said, you can't not do a fourth one. You can't not do, do an exactly. East. Like you you can't do North, South, and West. And I kind of <laughs> thought, oh yeah, you've you've got a point there. Um, and I couldn't think of anything um that started with East that would work. And then I remembered that Inverness, the city that I mentioned earlier, there was a big sort of shopping centre, like a shopping mall, called uh, the Eastgate Centre. So it's called it's called Eastgate. It's set at Christmas. It's basically um, a a, a sweary Scottish diehard with um, a gang of evil Santas, and uh, the main character from that series is stuck in this shopping mall with during this terrorist takeover. Oh, wow. Uh, so did that and then finished that spin-off and I decided um, I wanted to do another spin-off. So there's a new book, a new series starting in May um, about DI, Detective Inspector Heather Filson. Uh, so it's the first sort of female-led um, book in the in the Logan universe. Right. And and that's called The One the one Who Got Away, or The One That Got Away. What's it called? The okay. One That Got Away. Yeah, that's coming out in May. So I'm looking forward to people reading that. Oh, fantastic. Well, it sounds like your audience has an awful lot to keep them entertained in the years to come, thank God. That's that's great news. Um, uh, what are some of the best ways that people can follow your career uh, online, like social media, website, places like that? Yeah, I would say if you go to jdkirk.com, um, there is, uh, you can join the VIP club, which is just a, an email mailing list. So you'll get a newsletter kind of every couple of weeks. You'll get free books. You'll get access to a photo gallery of the locations in the books. And uh, mm-hmm. I do a lot of bonus content as well. So a little kind of bonus scenes from certain wow. books. And there was uh, one of the characters did a, did a speech at a wedding. And all the way through the book, he's, he's trying to write this speech. And then uh, if you join the VIP club, you get uh, a PDF of the handwritten speech. Um, oh. And I got my audio narrator to record the speech and we added on like sound effects and all that stuff. And do. So, so I do loads of freebies like oh. that. Um, so yeah, jdkirk.com. And then from there, I'll link to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all the usual places. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, those are some cool ideas for uh, audience engagement. I like that. I, write, yeah. like that. I was too idea. lazy to write 
people said they should you know write a short story or another book and at that point I was too lazy to do it so I did a <laughs> I did a photo gallery of you know nice locations in the highlands and people and then I've, I've just added to that as the books have gone on with other kind of free gifts oh fantastic yeah that is a great idea it was a great idea and this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. It was really nice to speak to you. It was nice speaking to you too. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been another edition of Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes right here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. And don't forget to check out Best Thriller Books for the best thrillers and giveaways anywhere on the web except for JD's website. Thank you very <laughs> much, everybody. See you soon. You have been listening to Spies, Lies, and Private Eyes with host Terence McCauley on Authors on the Air Global Radio Network.